calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Battleground Productions presents Brass, the audio series. Episode 23, Fair Skies and Dark Plots. The year is 1885, though two months have passed and it is November in this world that differs from the one we know. On a field some 12 miles from Paris, near the small commune of Very Chatillon, there is a large field and a small shack. The field, which before this time was growing barley, has now been stamped flat and covered in several layers of an innovative new masonry known as French asphalt pavement. The workmen brought in to cover the field found this a peculiar operation, but once they learned it was at the bequest of an English lord, they nodded their heads sagely. For everyone knows that English lords are usually eccentric and occasionally mad. If they were to ask the man, Conrad Grassley by name, who stands watching the sky from the shade of the small shack, he might admit he often has the same suspicion about this particular English lord. Lord Whitestone, Mr. Grassley. That looked to be a fine test flight. Better than fine, Mr. Grassley. <laughs> Exhilarating. Wonderful to hear. For almost half a minute, the engine gave out when I was, I suspect, about 4,000 feet off the ground. Good Lord. She glided like a harrier hawk. Well, a harrier hawk with something wrong with her tail feathers. Yet I could sense that she would ride the wind if I found it for her. And so I did. So you did. Ha ha! And then the engine started again, and I landed her. I like this fixed-wing flivver design very much, Mr. Grassley. It shows promise, I suppose. Now, Lord Whitestone, we have visitors. They're waiting in the office. We have an office? In the corner of the shack. Investors, I hope. I don't believe so. A pity. However, I am still very rich. Let's at least hope that they are interesting. Who are they? A pair of botanists, apparently. Botanists? Well, that could be interesting. I might have many questions for well-educated botanists. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Afternoon. These are the botanists. Mr. Grassley, these are not botanists. No? They are. Alive, Lord Whitestone. I'm tremendously happy to see you. My god. My god. Is Gwendolyn alive too? She is? My god, my friends! 
Oh, this is absolutely wonderful. Is Lady Brass alive? She is. We're all alive, Lord Whitestone. All us brasses, that is. How did you survive? My wife's good planning. Gwendolyn gave me this letter to pass on to you. I must read it. Well, you might want to wait until you... I'm sorry, Cyril Brass, but I must read this letter now. Dear Lord Whitestone, I have taken the precaution of delaying the delivery of this note to you. That is because when you discover that I and my family survived the bomb blast, you would be inclined towards sudden and imprudent action. I must go to her. Therefore, I felt it was best there were a significant number of miles between you and London at this time. How far is it to London? 218 miles as the crow flies. Oh. We are engaged in deadly conflict with a ruthless and powerful enemy. It is my task to remain in London, undercover, and work to discover the true identity of our adversary. You, dear friend, have said yourself, the ways of disguise and subterfuge are not your ways. They are mine. Have you finished? Almost, Cyril Brass. I am sorry for the deception, but I hope you shall understand. Until I see you again, I remain affectionately yours. Gwendolyn. Finished? Finished. My friends, this is Mr. Conrad Grassley. He is a very good man, and an even better pilot. Your Lordship? Mr. Grassley, a pleasure. Where are you staying? Would you like to stay with me? I have a very large pension in Paris. It is too large. I have tried to fill it with animals, but then I need someone to feed and keep them, because I am spending most of my days out here with Mr. Grassley, trying not to crash our flivers. We saw you as we came up to the field. Remarkable. It is, Cyril Brass. I must take you up in one. There is nothing in the world like it, controlling the winds beneath you and laughing into the sun. Sounds delightful. Later, perhaps. But for now, Lord Whitestone, we need you to come with us. There are some people we want you to meet. Should I change into a new shirt? I can do so here. Absolutely. Oh, don't bother yourself. The place we're going, you don't need to be wearing your Sunday best. All right, then. Shall we go? Where are you going? You're a pilot, Mr. Grassley. Is that correct? Pilot? Entrepreneur? Something of an inventor? A fellow divisor. What good luck. Sir, will you also come with us? Well, I... Might I ask where? Of course. We're going to the Department of Topography and Statistics. Yet even as Lord Brass and Cyril reunite with their friend, back in a low London rookery, plans are being made which shall affect all of English society at the absolute highest levels. Through here, your lordship. You know, I do tire of this darkroom melodrama. Every time I enter that accursed place, I'm worried that I'm going to trip on something and break a leg. I'd worry about more than that if I were you. Mr. Crawford, you'd be well advised to remember who you're talking to. And if you know what's good for you, Lord Trent, you'll remember the character of the man who sits in the dark room. We're here, sir. Good evening, gentlemen. I trust you're well, Lord Trent? Well enough. We've not much time, so I'll get to the point. There have been some changes to your itinerary, Lord Trent. Oh? Yes. 
Tomorrow evening, you travel to the East End and deliver a speech to the Hackney Working Man's Club. What's it to be about? Whatever it is they want, and why they're not getting it, and whom they should blame. Why in God's name is it necessary for me to waste a Friday evening at a working man's club? It's not like I need their vote. What I need is a night out with a bottle and a blonde. Not weak tea and a hard roll served by some haggish old lady with no teeth. We keep you well supplied with your needs, Lord Trent. When you return to your rooms, there should be the usual arrangements. Now, look here. I'm feeling absolutely knackered. I'd like a night off. I'm sorry. It's all very well you setting me up with the occasional piece of fluff and a stocked cellar, but I am in need of a holiday. Is that so? It is. Now, I understand this election is all sorts of important to your plan, but... While I'm out there talking to these people, all I'm thinking is of the fun to be had on Windmill Street or in the back rooms of the Blackfire Club. I see. I know there's a need for discretion, but really, what's the harm in my taking a couple of evenings off and going on the razzle? Ah. Well, you see, Lord Trent, this is something of a crucial time in our endeavor. This election shall help to set forth policies that shall make our empire great again. And that's something else I don't understand. How is all of this legislation going to make us great? Wasn't our empire fairly impressive before you started all of this? I mean to say, I've no issue with us throwing out all the Jews, Irish and other foreigners. They're just a drain on the state and private charities, but... Like this speech to some working men, why the devil do we care what they think? All the suffragists last week, with all that nonsense about the intelligence of women, half the time you send me out to these things, I don't believe you've got any better plan for me than to stir things up and get people fighting with each other. Lord Trent, do not underestimate the value of creating factions. People divided by fear and resentment are vulnerable to all sorts of manipulation. There is a plan, and if you continue to follow my advice and occasional instruction, the pleasures you shall enjoy will make those of Windmill Street, the Winter Gardens, and the Blackfire Club combined seem like an afternoon tea at a county fair. Yes, well... I don't take kindly to being treated as a puppet. I might not be the deep thinker that you are, but I am my own man. Of course you are. In every way, Lord Trent. Why would we have involved you in this grand enterprise if I didn't have a high regard for your character and talents? Uh, I suppose not. There you go. Now... We mustn't delay you any longer. You campaigning to do. Your secretary has been given a copy of your speech for you to look over. All right. I hope it's up to scratch. It's not easy delivering these, you know. Takes it out of a man. I am sure that's true. Just keep your eye on the prize, however. The game is most certainly worth the candle. Very well. I'd best be on my way. Thank you for dropping in. 
Crawford, stay for a moment, would you? Of course, sir. Farewell, Lord Trent. Mr. Crawford, report? Well, despite that little outburst, Trent continues to be reliable enough. And we usually have to explain his instructions more than once, but since you've replaced his private secretary, there's less chance of him going off his script. And when he goes off his script, he talks of... Oh, the usual pleasures of his class. The turf and the prize ring, the seasoning of society gossip. It seems to go down all right with his colleagues. Aristocrats are so very good at entertaining each other. That's one of their few innate talents. Well, keep an eye on him. As you've said in the past, the man is an idiot, but he is a supremely useful idiot. All right, sir. You may go, Crawford. Uh, sir, just one small matter. Yes? I appreciate the trust that you've placed in me and, and the rise in pay in recognition of my increased responsibilities. But to tell you the truth, I've been feeling a touch under my best recently. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Nothing serious, I hope? Nothing serious, no, but my doctor recommended I take a brief holiday. Just a few days at the most. A splendid idea. I hear Brighton's lovely this time of year. I will arrange for you to check in with one of our agents there. I was actually thinking of a visit to the continent. You know, no more than a week or so. Oh, Mr Crawford. I'm afraid I can't afford to have you so far from my beck and call for such an extended period of time. After all, this is a crucial period for our operation. And like England, I expect every man to do his duty. I understand, sir, but... A compromise, then. A long weekend in Blackpool. You have family in the area, as I recollect. An aunt, yes. That's right. Well, then, I will set you a room in the Imperial. A fine establishment, and the proprietor owes me a favour or two. Oh, well, uh, very good, sir. Yes, no doubt a change of scenery will be of great benefit to your health. Take in the pier, smell some salt air, say hello to your Aunt Marjorie. I'm sure that will do the trick, sir. Fine. Well, don't let me stop you. On your way and I'll see you next Tuesday, let's say. Next Tuesday it is. Bon voyage. O'Leary. Sir? I am concerned with Mr. Crawford. In what capacity? Up to now, he's been a capable man of action, but I've detected a certain troubling character defect. What will that be? A conscience. I cannot have a man that close to me who has such a troublesome organ. Why don't you see to it that he's accompanied on his journey to Blackpool? It would be such a shame if his conscience should get him into trouble. I will have my best agent on it within the hour, sir. O'Leary, you continue to rise in my estimation. You may leave. I thank you, Crime Minister. In the darkness, the man who is known to his vast criminal empire as only a name and a voice sits back in his chair. Who would have thought that winning an election would require so much work? <laughs> well, remind yourself of the big picture. There is so much of the canvas that must be filled in. What unholy canvas does this man envision? 
And what will be the consequences if he is successful in carrying out his unknown but no doubt sinister aims? Find out when we next reunite with our friends, the first family of the realm, Brass. Brass is manufactured by Battleground Productions and features Kate Cray as Lady Brass, Charles Leggett as Lord Brass, Catherine Grant Sutty as Gwendolyn Brass, and Jeremy Adams as Cyril Brass, with Larry Albert, Margie Bickman, Lisa Carswell, Yusuf L. Gindy, Nancy Fry, Ronnie Hill, Philip Keeman, John Longenbaugh, Matt Middleton, Terry Edward Moore, Tad Morgan, and Nikki Vissel. Brass was recorded at Seattle Voice Academy, engineered by Shana Pennington-Bard and Chris Lear, with sound designed by Kirsty Gilmore and music composed by Bruce Monroe. It was written and directed by John Longenbaugh. For more information on Brass, go to battlegroundproductions.org, find us on Facebook and Instagram, and to support us, fund us on Patreon, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.